to the Policy Wonk Podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Kale. What are we talking about today, Joe? So today we have another special guest. Uh, today we're talking with Lindsay Wall. She's running for Mentor School Board out in Lake County. And I'm personally really excited for this interview because as our listeners know, and I think as most people know that have been paying attention for the last few years, uh, school board meetings across the country have become very polarized and have become kind of the epicenter for uh, the political divide that's going on in the country. And I just want to get right into the questions today. So, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, first off, thank you guys uh, for having me on. I am Lindsay Wall. I grew up in Mentor, Ohio, and went to Mentor Public Schools, graduated in 2009. Um, I actually was going to go to Bowling Green for, um, education and ended up not leaving. Uh, my father became sick. So I ended up actually staying home, um, got married, uh, had kids, became a stay at home mom. I have two little boys. Um, Jason is eight, Brighton is six and they are, my everything. And now <clears throat> both of them are going to the Mentor Public Schools. I have a kindergartner and a second grader. And um, just, it was easy to jump right back into Mentor Public Schools and get involved. And now that I am involved, seeing what's going on, as you said, Joe, um, it is just very different uh, than it used to be. And so I just became more involved, started paying more attention and realized someone needed to stand up and say something. So I decided to run for school board. So you said that that you decided to to stand up for something. So what is that something? What specifically compelled you to run for mentor school board? And what insight do you think you would bring to the board? Um, I think just showing support and telling the truth. Right now, there's so much disinformation being spread um, and so much hate being thrown at our public schools, our teachers, our school board members. Um, That was really what encouraged me to stand up and speak in the first place. Um, Seeing a old art teacher of mine who was a big big part of my my schooling, um, probably one of the nicest people I know, the way that she was being attacked and the name calling and the threats being thrown at her, uh, I absolutely had to, to stand up and, and say something because I knew her. I knew a lot of the teachers that these people talked about and um, they're incredible. Mentor Public Schools has wonderful teachers. We have wonderful students. We have very, very smart, artistic, unique students. So to hear people in our community speak so negatively of all all of the people in our school district after, especially coming out of the pandemic, uh, it was very frustrating. And that's why I stood up and talked to begin with. And I think to be on the school board, my plan is to rid of that, that hatred. Our schools can't succeed unless we support them, unless we have honesty and trust and um, just support in general. So I want to, you know, build that bridge back that we have between our schools, our community, and the families. Yeah, I think that's um, 
think a lot of people feel that way, especially now over the last few years. Um, but uh, more at the state level. So Senate Bill 1 was passed by the state Senate and currently, I think it's still sitting in committee in the state house. And, you know, this bill basically guts all the authority from the state school board and would vest it into an appointed uh, office by the governor. And while this really affects like state policymaking, you know, um, how do you think that this could affect education, not only in like Mentor, but more broadly for local school districts? Well, I think that our state school board, you know, we elect those people onto the board. Um, they have the qualifications to make judgments and recommendations about our public education system. Um, you know, people across Ohio, they they choose who they're going to vote to have sit on that board. And that takes power away from the people. If, if this were to pass, if all of the power were to be handed to the governor's office, who doesn't really seem to know very much about public education, it would be damning to public schools for sure. So earlier, Joe talked about uh, polarization and how school boards have been kind of like the the model for the state of polarization in the country today. Um, so Menor has been the subject of multiple Fox and uh, Washington Post articles uh, specifically about polarization. So on school board, how do you plan to overcome that? Well, I will say as far as the Washington Post goes, that started off actually as a reporter who wanted to speak on the positivity in our community. They wanted to speak on um, the group support public education in Menor after we did a flower drive to show support for our teachers. And the article was meant to be something positive for our school district. And once that reporter came to Menor, Ohio and started <clears throat> speaking with community members, the theme of the article took a turn because the divisiveness was just so loud. Um, as far as other news media stations, um, I think right now our superintendent has handled that pretty well as far as just putting the positive out there, reminding the community and and these these news stations that want to cover the story that Mentor is so much more. Mentor has so much more to offer. Um, we also do have other issues that we should be focused on outside of who's using what bathroom and what book a child is reading, especially when those books have already gone through a lengthy process um, to be deemed as appropriate for certain classrooms. So I think if I were to be on the board and if I were to be asked to have an interview, I would just tell the facts, be honest, and also remind people what all men are schools really truly has to offer and what they're doing to improve issues that are real issues. Yeah, I think um, that's actually, I'm glad you mentioned the books because I think that's a good segue to our next question. Um, across the country and more specifically, I think it's made it into national news is uh, Florida and their efforts to remove certain books from classrooms. And recently in Menor, there was another debate over that in the last school board meeting. Um, specifically, there was debate over removing a book about 
uh, NFL player, Colin Kaepernick, from, I think, one of the middle school libraries. As you said before, the process starting to get these books in the libraries is long, but how does uh, kind of setting the precedent of being okay with banning certain books from libraries, how, how is this dangerous in your eyes? Because where does it end? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say, so the book that they were concerned about, the Colin Kaepernick book, um, it was an independent reading book in a fifth grade classroom that was brought into our school district um, almost a year ago that the board had voted on. And it was a part of a giant um, group of books that was purchased by the school. These aren't assigned reading books. Um, the Colin Kaepernick was not. And it was a biography written not by Colin Kaepernick. A lot of people seem to have thought that these were his words and this was his writing. And it's actually not even written by him. Um, but if we're going to dig into these books and pick out certain sentences that we might not agree with um, and deem them as inappropriate for fifth graders or whatever grade, you could do that with every book. You really could. Mm -hmm. I could find a line out of any book and say, I don't agree with that. And I don't think that my child should agree with that. So where does it end? Yeah, I think that's, that's the most concerning thing, right? Is like, where does it end? It doesn't end. I don't think in my eyes, because you can, you can easily find any part of a book that you might disagree with and think, well, this isn't appropriate for anyone. Um, and like you said, it's not like it was being assigned to someone. Um, I read a lot of books in middle school that, you know, changed how I viewed things. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think maybe my like views would be different if I want, like, if I didn't have access to those books. Um, I don't know if Kale, you had any insight on that either, but. Well, so uh, you read a lot of books that changed your your world outlook in middle school. In middle school, I was reading uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, so the books that I was reading didn't really affect my outlook on life. But um, I can speak on the fact that book bans are extremely dangerous. And and I'm, I'm, we all agree on that. And when people talk about book bans, it's it's just blatant censorship. And that's something that we've already talked about on the show is censorship. And not only is it dangerous as, as far as like free speech goes, but it's also dangerous as far as democracy goes. And I, I can speak for Joe and I, we are very uh, adamant democracy fans. I guess we can say that, but uh, when, when it comes to protecting the first amendment and free speech, and freedom of the press, those those things are directly linked to democracy. And when it starts young, and it's you tell these kids it's okay to ban books when you disagree with them, it's okay to challenge somebody's right to to educate themselves on something when you disagree with it. It's very dangerous when it comes to just like raising these kids. It, and and I think that. Uh, I think that your outlook on on book bans is refreshing to hear. I think also a lot of these higher grade level books that have been brought up at board meetings and even, you know, had passages uh, read from the books out loud um, at the board meetings 
you know, yes, there is some material that people may find triggering or offensive or just just too mature for certain students. But every every student is different. Um, I think that we all also have uh, different backgrounds. We all have different uh, experiences in our life that can, you know, we can relate to in a book. And when we start saying that that's inappropriate, we don't want students to read that, that sends the message that it's not appropriate to talk about your own experience. It sends the message that you shouldn't say this out loud. This shouldn't be available for anyone else to know about. Um, the trauma or the experience that you live through is inappropriate. Be quiet about it. Don't share it with others. And I think that that really puts people, you know, in a position where they're walking on eggshells then. It also limits creators because all of a sudden our, you know, authors and creative individuals are also walking on eggshells because what can they write about that won't be censored? It's such a, a, a trickling effect. You know, it, it just, there's nowhere up from there. <laughs> like it's just going to go down. It's also blatant partisanship because these people who want to ban books, they want to ban books are, that are teaching the reader or they're maybe influencing the reader to think critically about things, particularly like race, gender, sexuality. But they're not trying to ban, say, Huckleberry Finn or To Kill a Mockingbird, where there's loads of offensive language in those books. But some of these people agree with some of the things that are in the books. So it, it's it's a uh, it, it is a very dangerous line to go down, but it's also very interesting to see the blatant like partisanship and the polarization. I don't want to speak for Kale, but I think we're both in agreement on this. Uh, all politics is local, and local elections are probably some of the most important elections that people can participate in. So, do you have any advice for people that either? want to either run for local office or just even get involved in local politics? Well, I can share my experience and how I got involved. Um, you know, like I said, I have been a stay-at-home mom since I had my boys and I basically tried to like start my own crafting business. Like I have never had interest in politics. Actually, when I was younger, it was a common argument I would have with my own father because I just had very little interest in it. And um, in 2020, someone knocked on my door and they were canvassing for their own campaign. And I had a conversation with them and they were running for a local office and hearing how passionate they were about the seat they were running for and their commitment and passion for our community was very inspiring. So I ended up helping out that candidate through their election, through their campaigning cycle, and through the last election, helping other candidates. I learned a lot. I learned how important these elections are. And then I had a few people suggest that I run. And I laughed. I laughed hard. <laughs> you guys are crazy. Um, but I realized someone has to do it. And I think right now, a lot of people that want that change, that want to be the advocate, that want to be um, the better voice in the room, they're scared. 
politics is scary right now. It's something that did not used to be an automatic attack on somebody. Um, and now it's like, you know, you announce that you're running for anything and you're immediately everywhere. Everyone knows who you are. They know where you live. They know who your kids are, where they go to school, what car you drive. Um, they know everything about your past very quickly. And it's scary. However, I think the good people, we don't see that many good people with the morals and values of America running anymore because they're scared. And I think the most important thing right now is we have to put the fear aside or else we're going to watch all of this go up in flames. And I think it does, it does take a lot to put that fear to the side, much easier said than done. But as a 32 year old mom of two little boys, um, if I can do it, I think a lot of people are more capable than they believe they are. Uh, I found support in, in areas of our community that I would have never expected support from. And the support is there. The confidence is there in yourself. You just have to dig a little bit because it's worth it. It's worth it to save public education for me uh, and our community, city of Menor, and then Lake County. It, it's all connected. So starting at a very local level in a school district that means so much to me and my family, it was very important to me. So at the end of the day, the day after election day, after you win, what are give me a handful of key takeaways from this race. Like what are things that have stuck with you or are going to stick with you until the day you pass away and many, many years from now? I think honestly, the first thing is that support. Uh, there has been more support than, than anything so far. Um, the confidence that other people have put in me and the kind words and enthusiasm behind me running has just been overwhelming and in such a positive way. But I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think there's definitely certain moments that have already happened that uh, they're very hard to get out of my mind. And I think has changed just how I go to the grocery store. Um, I was walking my dog with, with my two boys uh, on the sidewalk down the street and someone actually rolled their window down and shouted at us profanity and, and name calling. And that resulted in a long conversation the rest of the walk home about why they did that uh, with my six-year-old. And knowing that people are like that in the city that I grew up in, the city that I'm raising my kids in, really does kind of get in your head. That's not something that is easy to just erase and forget about because it makes you think every time you go outside, who's watching, um, who's listening and what are they thinking kind of deal, you know? Um, my kids go everywhere with me and they have so far through this, this campaign. Um, <clears throat> and then it, comes a question, you know, uh, I shouldn't have to worry about if it's safe to take my kids to a school board meeting. 
But unfortunately, at our last school board meeting, there was a group of people that actually shouted at me to take my kids home in the middle of me speaking. So um, just kind of changes your perception of people, I guess. I think I have a, another question that I was thinking of. Um, so, and if you're, if you're not comfortable answering this question, I totally understand. Um, I went to mentor schools. I went to mentor high school for four years and I, I'll admit I was bullied. Um, and bullying has actually been quite an issue specifically for mentor. There is a documentary about mentor high school on Amazon, um, because of how horrific the bullying had gotten at the school. And I was just wondering if you have any uh, specific ideas on how to tackle that issue now. So I was at Menor High School when those, those suicides happened and it was um, life-changing really because um, it was just a totally different atmosphere uh, in a learning environment to know that friends and, and other individuals in the school had had gone through that um, and made that choice. It was devastating. That is another part I I will not tolerate. I was bullied as well. I, I think it would be very hard to find someone who said they weren't at some point in time in their life. I know right now our superintendent actually has some incredible ideas that they're working on to address the bullying, especially in the middle schools with, with our middle school girls. Um, mm. You know, girls can be um, pretty wild. <laughs> they can be mean. Um, and I appreciate the fact that our superintendent has heard concerns about the bullying and is in the process of addressing these Um as far as, as me going on, uh, I think discipline. I think we are lacking um, a consistent discipline strategy with our students to let them know, hey, this is not tolerated. It's not a walking through the hallway and you hear someone call another student a horrible name and say, hey, don't do that again. You know, stop that student and have a conversation with them and explain why they what they said was extremely wrong and make sure that they understand that that can't go on because that's just contributing. You're enabling these students when you don't discipline them. So I'm not saying like, you know, suspend a student or expel them for calling someone a name, but I think that we should have something in place uh, for these students uh, who contribute to the bullying so that they can learn the effects that bullying have on other people, because obviously we've seen the effects of bullying. And it's worse now, I would say. Especially with, uh, it's talked about all the time, but especially with social media, even back when I was in high school and middle school, which, okay, wasn't that long ago, but social media now has become so dominating. Oh, definitely. Even discourse. like Snapchat, you yeah. know, you can delete those your parents don't see those and I have been on the receiving end of some of these chains through the school just because of friends and their kids they don't know who I am and I accidentally get it and I am in shock that this is what's spreading around about other students in the school district that kids teenagers are coming up with this and thinking that it's okay to spread it around it's it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. 
but I agree completely. Social media is a, is a huge factor in that. It's not always in the hallway at school. It's what happens when they leave school, go home, they're on their iPads and their computers and their phones, and then come back to school the next morning after whatever happened on Facebook the night before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got about six ish minutes left. And do you have anything else that we didn't talk about today that you want to discuss? Or do you have anything else to say to our audience today? In the process of, of my involvement, getting involved with the schools and paying more attention, um, I started looking for resources to learn more. And I am very glad that I stumbled upon um, an organization that was just starting um, Defensive Democracy. Um, they are an organization across the country that has started um, to advocate for um, public education, teachers, students, minorities, and they're incredible. And I'm now a regional director and the Ohio chapter chair for Defensive Democracy. Through working with them, <clears throat> I've been able to see what's going on in all of these other states across our country. And it really is a copy and paste type of situation where you see it happen in Florida and then it happens in Texas and then it happens in California and then it then it's here. And it's the same thing. It really is the same books, the same passages from the books, um, the same legislation trying to be passed. People need to be aware of how important school board elections are right now, because even if you haven't seen it in your local district yet, you need to be prepared that you may see it soon. And so many people I've talked to don't even realize that they have the opportunity to vote for their school board members. And this election is going to be much different than any other school board race that we've seen before. And it's so, so important that everyone votes because I can't imagine a world where we don't have good public schools. Public education is, is literally at risk. And I don't know where we go from there. We lose our public schools. Yeah. I can't remember the exact quote, um, but public education and a well-educated populace is, is quite literally essential for a functioning democracy. You can't have, you can't have a healthy democracy when people can't understand the differences between uh, true and false, but also if they don't have the ability to think critically about who they're voting for, about the issues that people stand for, or, you know, even the very basics of that there is an election. With that, um, I want to thank you for talking to us today. It's always nice to talk to people that are running for office, um, especially for local office, because like you said, these positions are so important and often they're very overlooked. And I think the more that people know about um, the offices that they can actually vote for, um, the better I think we all become in the end, regardless of party or ideology. If people are active and involved in their communities, I think I think the future's bright. So thank you again for talking to us today. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your time and, and the questions. So thank you. Of course. Thank you for coming on the show.
So we just got done with our interview with Lindsay Wall, who's running for our school board. And what what did you think, Hill? Like, what are your takeaways from it? I think that the day after election day, Menor's going to be in good hands. That's what I think. Yeah, me too. Um, I think and we talked about it in the interview. It's so important for people to start paying attention to these local races, especially school board because of how important they are. Um, A lot of people don't even realize that they can vote for these things, Mm -hmm. especially school board members. These people help make decisions on what is taught in schools to an extent, but also they help make decisions that make sure that your school district is financially stable and afloat. And it's so important to make sure that people that know what they are doing that care about their community and aren't driven by partisan politics are elected to those seats, especially now, especially now in a state where uh, with SB1 trying to take away power from our state elected school board, but also with the expansion of the voucher system in this state to try to empower uh, private schools that don't have elected school board members, it's so important to start paying attention to these things. It's really good to see individuals from the community who are who have like deep rooted ties to the community coming out and wanting to make a difference in an elected office. Like you can sure you can show up to school board meetings, you can advocate for things, but at the end of the day, the people who make the decisions are the elected officials. And it's awesome to see people like her standing up starting to run because these people the people like her they they see issues in the community and they think that they're the right person for the job to solve these issues and they want to solve these issues not because they hate the community but because they love the community yeah and that's i mean that's the reason why i mean i, I can't speak for you but that's the reason why i want to get into politics it's the reason why yeah. i like governments because the community that helped raise me, I, I believe, deserves the best. And yeah. I think that I can give them the best. And I can I can say after that interview that uh, Lindsay can give men or school board the best. Yeah, I think, I mean, wholeheartedly agree, surprisingly. Whoa. Um, yeah, I mean, like when I ran for school board back in 2019, I ran because I wanted to see something change. I ran because I like... I cared about my school district and that there were issues that I thought that I could bring a valuable insight to, especially as someone that just graduated. Um, but yeah. I do. I'm going to repeat it. I do. I do think that the day after election day, Mentor school board is going to be moving in the right direction. I hope so too. <laughs> but I had a good time talking to her. Uh hope to uh, have her on again sometime. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Hopefully Hopefully. as a member of school board. Yep. Yes, sir. (laughs) I beat you to it. Well, I think that's all we got for today, Kim. Yep. That's all I have. So we'll see you guys next time. And I'm going to start something. Policy Wonk Nation. Wonk Nation. Wonk Nation. All right. Thank you for listening today, guys.